Well, hello and welcome to Simone Che. I'm Sydney. I'm Shu. And we are here to talk to you about MDMA. Oh, yeah. Ecstasy, baby. You see, it's known as a party drug. Everyone's favorite rave drug. Um, it's the favorite rave drug of ravers. That's right. So, woo, woo. Let me, uh, tell us what it is. Oh, we're super academic on this podcast because we have an actual collegiate textbook in the studio. That's right. I brought in a book from college. It's called, what is this book called? It is called Drugs in an American Society. The sixth edition. Ah, yes. And what it says about ecstasy is that it is a drug that induces a sense of trust, openness, peacefulness, and serenity, along with the perception that one is experiencing the world afresh for the first time. That's that's fun. That sounds good. Yeah. It sounds sounds like a great time. Um, Yeah, you've done you've done ecstasy. I haven't. So, yeah, you can be our resident uh experiential expert well i'd like to say that i did it at a rave in the 90s that everyone was sweating and it was crazy but the truth is i just went to a barbecue and (laughs) sat in a pool by myself and didn't talk to anybody (laughs) so it wasn't that exciting it wasn't super exciting it was just like i feel good (laughs) i feel good about myself right now everything feels fine I mean, I've had that feeling just sitting in a pool in general. Yeah. So. I, there are some like body highs too, mm-hmm. the, a feeling of euphoria in your body. Okay. And it was overall, it was nice. It was a good. I feel like it's definitely um, your atmosphere could enhance the okay. feelings, you know? Like if I could see how being at a rave would be amazing on ecstasy um yeah one of the things that i read was that much like um psychedelics the set and setting of the experience have a lot to do with how you feel um the interesting thing was that apparently people on ecstasy um the the suggestions the environment and the suggestions of the people with them have less of an impact on their trip than with other drugs so if you take acid or mushrooms the environment you're in has a strong effect on how your trip goes but ecstasy apparently it's less variable it's less impacted by what's happening around you um, which is good because you're more likely to have a good time yeah totally the yeah the other time I took it I went to a show um and saw bands perform uh-huh. and, and I, they were all beautiful they were all wonderful I remember just thinking I'm so happy I'm so happy to be here. Oh, hi. You make me happy. Well, I feel like this is something I could get really addicted to. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. According to my book, it says that uh, ecstasy is a drug that is not often used on a compulsive basis. Um, Yeah. It doesn't have a high addiction rate, but... I've also known people who were addicted to mushrooms, and that is not something you hear often. So, 
Yeah. Everything can be abused, guys. Uh, everything can uh, be abused. Um, yeah, one of the things uh, that I read was that um, use of ecstasy, having experienced um, at least one ecstasy trip, is associated with a substantial uh, statistical decrease in the chance that that person would be dependent on opiates. So trip, uh, do a little Molly and don't get addicted to heroin. Apparently that's a thing. Um, (laughs) so that's exciting is that, yeah, if you, if you roll, you're less likely to get addicted to opiates, but they say that, um, in general, psychedelic experiences are associated with a lower instance of, uh, drug or alcohol abuse. Huh. So uh, the guy who founded AA was super into LSD. He credited right. it with getting him sober. So, yeah, I've done LSD once and I feel like it's not something I would necessarily. I don't know if I would do it again, but it's definitely not something I would want to do often. No. Like with these types of drugs, um, drugs in general, I feel are usually best for special occasions. Mm hmm. Also, mm-hmm. when you know what they do to you, what the side effects are. That's important. When you know what you're planning to do while you're on them, where you're going to be, who you're going to be doing them with. I like to take a lot of precautions in that sense. Yes. So, um, but I think it's really interesting that this could help people uh, with alcoholism or. Yeah, it's used uh, in therapeutic settings to help people with PTSD, addiction problems, uh, to pretty statistical success rates. Um, there was an MTV True Life where a girl was addicted to ecstasy, and that was super sad. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, it might not have even been ecstasy, but it was also still super sad. Yeah. My stepsister apparently took ecstasy every day for a year. She was prostituting herself uh, to get the ecstasy. And eventually uh, her dad got um, not like a conservatorship, but a, an adult where you're a guardian of an adult. He took right. over. And she came to live with us during a period I was living with my mom. And she was on our couch like catatonic for weeks. We had to, they had to eventually call. She refused to get up or eat or drink. She wasn't even, she didn't have to pee because she wasn't, she just, she looked like a mummy basically. She was so malnourished and dehydrated. And we had, they had to call, um, a crisis response team to get her into a psych hospital because basically what happened allegedly is she fried out her serotonin circuits because she did ecstasy every day for a year. And so when she quit taking it, she basically was catatonic. Um, which scary. Yeah. It was super weird and scary to watch. Yeah. Well, according to this book, I have this textbook, this textbook from college. I'll have, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um there were some studies done on animals um with continued use of ecstasy uh that showed that um when they used it on a continued basis (laughs) what are you laughing about because i said a continued use of ecstasy and then when they used it on a continued basis Everyone listening will get it. They'll oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, anyways, it shows that there's a permanent depletion of serotonin, which is an extremely important neurotransmitter um, 
that, you know, it regulates our emotion, mood, cognition, sex, and sleep in our brain. Yeah. You want, you need it. Yeah. So if that, you know, that's what they found in animals, but if that is what would happen in us humans as well, that would be really dangerous. That would result in perhaps being catatonic on a couch. It would on a sofa sleeper. That is fucked Um, up. Is she okay now? I don't know. Okay. Well. We hope so. Yeah, well, we hope a lot of things. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, so MDMA, it increases the release of and it slows the reuptake of the neurotransmitters serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. And they think, based on animal studies, that uh, chronic use at high doses can cause the uh, decay of the serotonin transmitters so they're not working anymore in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but some uh, studies showed that uh, apparently, apparently Harvard Medical School got a hold of some Mormons who had never done any other drugs but ecstasy. And that is so weird. They'd never done any drugs or alcohol, and they'd only done ecstasy. And um, in those who had used it less than. 50 times they showed no permanent effects from it okay the group that had done it 60 or more times showed a slight decline in cognitive ability but still were statistically normal so in order to cause damage to your serotonin receptors uh, you would have had to take really large doses and a lot of them um which i'm sure is what my stepsister did But if you were, say, taking them in a psychiatrist's office in a therapeutic setting, the dose that's prescribed in those cases is so small that they haven't found any sort of permanent neurological impact of using the drug. So that's cool. That is cool because then it also helps with their PTSD, their addiction, their emotions. Um, So... uh, a lot of this information I'm getting is coming from maps.org, and that's the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. But uh, they've been funding since the year 2000 clinical trials on MDMA, and um, they just reached or were approved for phase three clinical trials, which is the last stage before medical approval. Um, but basically what they've done is they've taken uh, people who have been in treatment for PS. PTSD for approximately 17 years on average and they've put them through um, a clinical protocol where they have some advanced therapy sessions and then over the course of a few months they have three 90-minute sessions where they're given MDMA in a therapist's office. They talk through uh, their issues, their trauma, and afterwards 80% of the people in these studies no longer on a a clinical scale show any sign of PTSD. Wow. Which is, yeah, that's crazy because the the treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder in the U.S. uh, actually doesn't work. Right. (laughs) We use it and it doesn't work um, because when somebody's experienced a trauma, if you ask them to talk about it, they... They feel it all over again. They feel it all over again, and then they can't work through it because they're in this heightened flight or fight, uh, fight or flight uh, emotional state. Right. 
And ecstasy, one of the things it does is it creates a feeling of calm, of well-being. It disengages the amygdala so they can't be in that heightened emotional state. So they can actually recall their trauma and talk through it in a way that um, is therapeutic. This is all, I mean, done in a therapist's office. Obviously, right. you can't take ecstasy at a rave and cure your PTSD. No. Don't do it. Don't try that. It can be a fun time. But it's not going to cure your uh, mental problems. Right. Yeah. So. When I did, I definitely didn't have any like emotional breakthroughs or anything. I just sat in a pool. Yeah. Um, um, but it, that's cool because it's like letting the person look at their problems from almost a third person perspective. Yes. And they aren't feeling all of that trauma that they felt when it happened to them. Yeah. So it gives them a chance to look at it and go... Oh, that's fucked up, but I can let it go. I can let it go, Um, which is kind of how, you know how you're able to, when you look at someone else's life, you can analyze it yes. more objectively because you're not in the middle of it. You don't have a horse in the race. Exactly. You just go, well, why don't you do this? It's yeah. very obvious to me. Um, But you can't do that when you're in the thick of it. So exactly. ecstasy will help you get there uh i wanted to talk about this rolling stone article where this woman um here let me get the title of the article so people can actually it's called the psychedelic miracle and it's on rollingstone.com go look it up and it covers a lot of science and where it's at in terms of research and blah 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 and legality but the woman writing it she first was suggested to do MDMA therapy because she kept going to the gynecologist because she felt something was wrong with her vagina. And they're like, there's nothing wrong with your vagina. There's absolutely like you don't. She just felt like it was off and they would. Did test. she feel like there was like a wall in it? No, she didn't get into specifics. Oh, okay. Um, like she couldn't let anything in it. She, I think, maybe thought there was like an infection or something medically okay. wrong. Which I just want to, this is a show about sharing. Um, I was in a, an abusive relationship for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, afterwards, full disclosure, I went to the doctor a lot because I thought that I had yeast infections or UTIs. And the yeah. doctor would look and be like, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have a UTI. You don't have an STD. You don't have a yeast infection. You're fine. And a lot of times they would just give me antibiotics and say, listen, like your urine yeah. analysis didn't show yeah. any bacteria, but maybe it's so slight that it's not showing up on a test. But that went on for a while. And when I was reading this article, I thought, oh, I'm having pussy problems because it's trauma because I yeah, I was really traumatized uh, in this situation and I need to just uh let it go. Let it go. Um, Sometimes when your soul closes, your whole closes. Your whole closes. So. And that, I mean, that's a true thing because there's women no, yeah, who have um, who have vaginismus, which is like uh, unexplained vaginal pain. And they uh -huh. go to a physical therapist and a mental therapist for it. But this woman, um, her gynecologist suggested, hey, I know someone who does under the table MDMA therapy because I see that you are you're going to therapy for PTSD uh, regarding a sexual assault. And this is probably related. And the writer put it off and poo pooed it. And 
a year later, she was having a breakdown. She was suicidal and she wow. realized, okay, well, if the option is kill myself or try doing MDMA. Um, and I think that's important to note that these, these decisions aren't taken lightly. The idea right. you have to be at a crossroads where you're, it's when people hear about use of drugs and, um, psychiatric treatment and they're like oh no that's so scary and it's like well these are desperate people right and that's why a lot of doctors are willing to do these therapies even though they're still illegal because they believe so much in the healing power of mdma that they don't want to make people wait for it to become legal right not Um, only that but the people take um therapy and do take precautions to get ready to have the MDMA given to them and go through that process as well it's not like you just walk in and go okay here's the drug let's do this yeah they prep them too and get them emotionally ready for what that's going to be like Mm -hmm. so it's all very clinical yeah they say the most important thing is to be ready for the experience and if someone offers to give you MDMA psychotherapy without having prior counseling sessions that you shouldn't do it with that person because they're being reckless and you need to have prior and post counseling sessions. So you're ready for the experience and then afterwards you can integrate what you've learned um, in it. But this woman, the most interesting thing was she had had uh, an instance where a man attacked her and she managed to get away and for years she thought it was that she was scared of sexual assault and that was the root of the anxiety and um during her mdma session she realized oh no she was also scared that this man was going to kill her but she had Ah. suppressed that because she had even she'd suppressed that that could have even been a possibility because if she thought that random men were going to kill her every time she left her house she couldn't function right so she had suppressed that thought so much that it was causing all these issues and she wrote that after this after having this revelation like oh i'm not just scared that men will rape me i'm scared that men are going to kill me and she said for several weeks after that walking down the street she would just look at men and be like he's not going to kill me he's not going to kill me and just recognizing that that was the thought she had was having before and being able to go, Oh yeah, no, like not every man is going to kill me. And she was able to move through the world without that prior anxiety was really interesting um, that she was able to unlock this fear. Yeah. This deep seated fear. um, (laughs) And I was able to unlock that burp (laughs) on Mike's dick. So take that. Take that. I like it. Mike. <laughs> Take that, Mike. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's I think that's very interesting is that it you can really is. heal your soul and heal your whole. That's right. And I just am left wondering how many women out there need to do a little MDMA therapy and realize, oh, I'm probably afraid of men and uh, I need to get over that. Um, God. well i mean i i think that uh we've decided that i'm gonna take mdma on your couch and uh we're gonna come up with some breakthroughs oh my god i can't can you imagine the things that are gonna come out (laughs) of me okay i'm gonna try to be your therapist (laughs) well so 
In the early experimental days of MDMA therapy in the 70s, the therapists would take it with their clients because it helped oh. them be more empathetic to their clients. Yeah. So you can take it too. Okay. Well, you have two couches, don't you? No, but oh. I'll go buy one. Okay. So. <laughs> I've been looking for an excuse to get a new couch. So. This is the perfect time. This is the perfect uh, time. We're going to take MDMA on your couches. And yes. um, we're going to have some breakthroughs. Yeah. I mean, I think thanks to my uh, use of mushrooms, what I've learned is that uh, a lot of my issues have to do with not feeling loved. Uh huh. I have I have mommy issues and daddy issues and I never yeah. felt secure or had someone hold me and I never like learned that it could be OK and that I could let go and be in the care of someone else uh-huh and so i feel like that would probably be what's gonna come out of me yeah and i'm just gonna be like i just want to be held You'll i've never been held puddle puddle yeah i feel like if we were at a party doing ecstasy yeah we'd end up all just hugging each other and mm. you in your head you'd be like i've never felt this before i love it um, I, I probably, I probably would. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing about being an adult. I'm not alone in this. Um, I think you posted something about it today on uh, the Instagram where we just like walk around and we're supposed to have these tough exterior shells of an adult. You know how in Men in Black there was that alien that was a, it was a man, but inside it was a pug operating it <laughs> yes. like we're we are all just these little scared children operating these adult-sized meat sacks yes that's it's what's true. happening it's true my <laughs> i have to tell you this is really funny um deacon went out with my mom they they went on an alone dinner i wasn't there just belinda and just deacon belinda and deacon which i was very excited that they're getting to know each other after mm -hmm. seven years after only happening they're acting like they just met, but anyways. Getting um, to know you, <laughs> getting to know all about you. Um, and he was telling me how my mom brought up that I'm probably so clingy because her and my dad didn't let me walk or didn't make me walk until I was older than two years old really they just carried me everywhere. you were one of those I was one of those and I and I told him yes I do remember when we'd be going somewhere leaving the house instead of getting up I would just throw my arms up really like, I'm ready and then whoever was around would just pick me up and take me so, wow. Um, and I, I said, how did it come up me being clingy? Did you tell her I'm clingy? And he's like, no, she brought it up on her own. She said, I bet she's clingy. Really? She, I said, well, she knows me well. She did. She has known uh, you for all of your years yeah. on earth. And he, he said, yeah, I do. Sometimes I do have to just hold her. And it's nice. Oh, that's really cute. He likes uh, holding you. That's yeah. important. That's something important to look for in a partner. Yeah, I mean, I I have been someone with, who doesn't mind touching you. I've been with people who are like, it's too much. Oh, really? Yeah, I definitely have. They're like, you're you're too much. I can't hug you every time I'm on the fucking couch. And I'm like, why not? We're sitting next to each other. Yeah, give me a fucking hug. Interesting. Anyways, um, um, I date people who are like my mother, and they don't. They don't hug you. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, you know, we got to break down those walls. 
Break these lonely chains. I feel <laughs> like we need to just have just a, a Simone Shea uh, karaoke party where yes. the only songs to choose from are ones that we've sung on this <laughs> podcast. It's just Mariah Carey. <laughs> And uh, R. Kelly, Lionel Richie, Lionel Richie, <laughs> whoever sings that song that you just sang. I don't know. We don't know, but we'll look it up. I'm always singing songs I don't even know what they are. I just, I just know a bit of it that and, I heard somewhere. And you're like, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's do let's this. Let's do this ten million times in my head in a row. That'll be fun. Break, 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 break. <laughs> That was a beautiful remix. I loved Thank it. You. I, hashtag I love it. Hashtag I love that. <laughs> oh, uh, and some people love MDMA. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing, listeners. Let me just be honest with you. We were going to do ecstasy for this episode. We were. Um. But like responsible adults that we are. We realized there were some conflicting things in our lives that would not allow us to do MDMA. Uh, I we can talk about it. I'm supposed to <laughs> s- I'm supposed to start a new job in three or four days, and I get drug tested on my first day, and it turns out. So most ecstasy is not pure what you buy on the street. In fact, 50% of it contains no MDMA. It might and, have some laxatives. Yeah. And it's it's generally uh, sometimes it has no MDMA and it's actually chemicals that are associated with bath salts. Uh, it also will have uh, bulking agents, binding agents, amphetamines, caffeine, opiates, painkillers. So a lot of stuff is sold as ecstasy or molly and it's actually just speed and opiates right. and because ecstasy has uh it makes you feel it gives you energy and it makes you feel a sense of well-being. So people will, you know, mix mix some meth with some codeine and sell it as ecstasy right. and I did not want to fail a drug test and lose a job. Uh, because I took ecstasy on a podcast, which it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. And it's mainly <laughs> it's mainly because I'm very unhappy in my current employment situation. And uh, much like this lady was having trouble with her uh, pussy, I <laughs> have been having trouble with my bowels. I have been very sick with Crohn's disease and because of the stress of the job. Yeah, right? my the my mental I am functioning normal. I'm passing. I'm passing as happy uh, as I do. And uh, I've just been like shitting myself. So I uh, I need to take MDMA to right. to reckon <laughs> with uh, all of my issues that are causing me Crohn's disease. But I think the main issue, um, and actually one of the articles I read is that this doctor had seen success in people with Crohn's disease who had done ecstasy therapy. He said even one diabetic patient after doing MDMA therapy, their fasting blood sugar level had decreased by 30%. So their body was processing sugar better after they reckoned with their demons through MDMA therapy. 
So, uh, because the mind and body are connected. So I was just going to say that just shows the amazingness that is the human body, Mm -hmm. because I truly believe that we can heal ourselves with our minds. Yes. If we learn how to possess that power. Yes. It's all about actually believing Mm -hmm. that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Focusing, visualizing. Mm -hmm. I had this really weird lump on my leg. Uh Um, like the crease that oh is, uh-huh what is that called this um, that i'm rubbing uh, i don't know, just keep rubbing it though oh uh, yeah Whoa, rub. <laughs> yeah your bikini line yeah my bikini line you know you get lumps or yeah. bumps when you shave and whatnot uh-huh. and i had this big one it wasn't going away i went to the doctor and she's like it's probably an inflamed cyst or lymph node and mm-hmm. i don't you know if it doesn't go away we might have to like cut it out it was getting weird. I, I was getting worried and having anxiety about yeah. it. So I started um, just every night visualizing it, getting smaller, mm-hmm. telling myself it's not there. You have healed yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, in like two weeks, it went away and it's never come back. Wow. And that was something that was like chronic through my through years of my life yeah. that it would just come back always in the same spot mm-hmm. you know so um i you know you might think i'm crazy but i fucking believe i did that no it's uh i mean i think we talked about the how psychic surgery actually does work on a former episode did we yeah where they took there was some surgery and they had three test groups one group did not receive the surgery. Another group received the surgery. Yes. And then the third group were opened up. Nothing was done. But they were told they got the surgery. And, and the they group, did the best, right? They did the best. Um, so your mind can affect change in your body in that way. Um, yeah, apparently with like autoimmune diseases and stuff, this uh, MDMA psychotherapy is really good. Um for helping people because like people with autoimmune diseases their immune systems on overdrive and it's wrecking their body and it's inflammatory and it's uh been very it's been shown to help those people and so i i definitely know that my crohn's disease when i was in an abusive relationship was really bad and um i had surgery a couple times and i've been pretty good for a while it's like really a, a has a lot to do with your emotional yeah state, right because mm-hmm. like and if the you're food you eat the food you eat i mean it's all linked together but um yeah the apparently your emotional state because like the food you eat can increase inflammation and alter your mood um but also your mood can uh affect the food you eat and increase inflammation right um it swings both ways but yeah since i've been focused on my life and uh not being abused by men um (laughs) i've been pretty healthy and uh since i started this job which was only three months ago i've had two bowel infections and i haven't had bowel infections in a long time and so uh, I joke that every time I get in my car to go to work, my stomach's just like, blah, 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 blah. Oh. and um, and so it, I know it's ridiculous because some people like it's just a job. Like you're making money, you go and you do the thing, you make the money, your schedule's good, whatever, and that's true. But also, it's really affecting my health. And so step one is uh, pass a drug test and yeah. get get this new job which will probably also suck but in a different way 
and um step two step two do mdma do mdma on your couch yeah so uh because i want to i want to break i want to break on through to the other side (laughs) i'm embarrassed about having said that (laughs) don't be i love it Uh, oh so so Jinxies, 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 jinxies. Pinch, poke, you owe me a coke, motherfucker. Um, so yeah, that's why we're not on Molly right now, is because I was scared of what it was mixed with and that I might fail a drug test. But yeah. probably by the time this airs, I will have tried it out, and then we'll do an update. Yeah, we'll do an update. Speaking of updates, um, I think you have a little update of okay. your own to I give do, us. I do have an update uh, on a previous episode. I was very disparaging about the bedroom skills of the person that I was seeing. And um, she and I really hashtagged it's over. (laughs) You suck with your dick. Hashtag you suck with your dick. And I wanted to take that back (laughs) because I'm still seeing that person. You've had sex with him again. And it was better. It was better. And all I wanted to acknowledge that I have been with people who were more open sexually than I am. And I probably came off as a wet blanket to them because it takes a little bit more for me to get to their comfort level in the bedroom, right? Initially, you can be very inhibited and uncomfortable when you're with a new partner. And so... Because he is maybe more inhibited than I am, I wasn't understanding or thinking about the fact that it maybe takes him more to get as comfortable as I am in the same way that it takes me more to get as comfortable as other people. And there's just varying degrees of sexual openness. And not everybody is just like out the gate ready to do the damn thing. And that's fine. Like, that was me being a not kind, not understanding person. Also, he's a very nice human being who has legitimately done a lot of things that have made my life better. And to say that someone sucks just because <laughs> you have, I had had sex with him twice and it wasn't great, I feel bad about that. That's um, nice of you. Fortunately, he doesn't listen to my podcasts or my music. And that is really ideal in a partnership, obviously, because I'm a fucking cunt. And (laughs) if someone were to listen to everything I say, let alone someone who were dating me, they would want nothing to do with me. And so, yeah, thankfully, he hasn't listened to those. And but and even though he won't listen to this, I wanted to issue that correction because uh, I think. I, I preach about understanding and empathy, and I was not being understanding. We're being bitches. Yeah, we were being fucking <laughs> bitches, and um, it's fun to be a bitch. It is. It really is. And, like, yeah, like, I was angry that I had sex that, like, wasn't great. We have our own podcast. We can bitch about whatever we yeah, want. Yeah, we can be fucking cunts. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I've had sex with him one more time, and it was better. And That's good. Um, and... That's nice of you to say sorry. And we were talking about how nice he's been. And it's not like in a way of like, I was nice. So now you give me something. It was just genuine niceness. That's so rare to run across people like that. I feel like, you know, 
maybe it is worth just giving it a little bit more time and giving mm-hmm. him a chance. And like you said, like maybe he just needs to warm up and be more to open up to more. open up. And yeah, because he's not as open of a person as I am. And I get it. Um, but he's done some really unselfish things for me that um, I, I guess I'll say, OK, so he I work right across the street from where he lives and I hate my job. I'm very unhappy there. And he has actually gone out of his way to get me interviews at places that are further away and that schedules would conflict even more so. So rather than say, oh, I get to see her all the time, uh, it doesn't matter that she doesn't like her job. He's actually made phone calls and sent emails to get me interviews for jobs that I would be happier at, even though it means that we would see each other less. Oh, that's nice. And that's really nice because I'm used to very selfish partners. Um, I was with someone where I got into the my dream school and it was in another state and I was crying with happiness, just being like I accepted on the spot by a recruiter for my dream school. And um, the reality was that I probably would never go there. It's super expensive and whatever. Yeah. But rather than like let me feel good for even a minute when I went home to um, – my boyfriend and I said oh my god I got into this school he said well what about me that was his first response was what about me oh my god if you go if you move out of state for school what about me and the first like the correct response is I am so happy for you and do you think you're gonna go how could we make you go like what does that mean whatever yeah but like no because it wasn't about me it was about him and what what about me yeah. And um I'm so I'm used to kind of having men tear tear down my joy. Right. Um, and I what you want in a partner is someone who their first instinct is to be happy for you. Whether yeah, or definitely. not whether or not that affects them negatively. You know, you get your dream job, but you're going to be working longer hours, but it's your fucking dream, they should be happy for you. That sort of thing um and I'm not used to having that. So, yeah, this this person is a, a genuinely good human being who has already in a short amount of time done a lot of things to show that they care about me as a person and my well-being on this planet. And the, how it affects them is secondary um, to me being happier or achieving greater uh, success. And mm-hmm. that's. I don't know. Whatever. That's great. It's really great. It and I'm giving it a chance. And this is me being like honest, vulnerable, Sydney. Um, Which you're not going to hear very often. So fucking cherish it. Fucking cherish this <laughs> shit. Because mostly you're going to get vulgar, flippant Sydney. Um, <laughs> and not Sydney who like really just wants to be loved. So, oh, I love it. Yeah. So there we go. Yay. Except for when I'm when I'm rolling on your couch and then I'm going to be like, I just want to be loved. I'll put Bruce on your chest and you I can pet him. I want to be and... loved by shoe, just shoe, and nobody else but shoe. Um, I love you. I'm shoe. <laughs> I was thinking of doing a theme song for our podcast that's just, I want to do drugs with shoe, just shoe, <laughs> nobody else but shoe. I love that. I would um, be all about yeah. it. <laughs> I want to do drugs with shoe, 
Yeah. So, anyways, that's in the works. Yeah. Let's record that. Let's record that. Get that up. Um, that'll be a hit single on (gasps) iTunes too. We'll release it. How fun. Um. So MDMA. Oh wait. Yeah, it is a thing. But I have another update. Oh, what's our other update? Um, one of the guys we went to San Francisco with. Oh yeah. Follows our Instagram. He does. And he was nice enough to listen to that episode. He did. And he said he enjoyed it and he thought we were great together. Oh, yeah. And he was texting me last night and he oh, really? was like asking uh, about the show and you and, you know, he wanted to make sure you were marrying a good guy. Aww. And uh, he's a sweetheart. Yeah. And so I just thought that was really nice that yeah. he did that and he reached out. And I always appreciate when people enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. Um, And just lead with positives yeah um so that was, so that cool. was nice i really like that guy i i'll just say you know there's people that you aren't super close with like we he and i have never lived in the same state uh i mean we did for four months yeah um but every time we talk or every time we're in the same room there's just like a connection it's really weird where i'm just like you I, you're my family in a weird yeah. way um where I just yeah I just I we can go years without seeing each other and then when we're around each other I'm just like yeah we're meant to be in each other's lives and I feel I I feel familial or whatever Uh there's a weird connection there uh and it's very interesting those types of people where yeah because I don't I only see him every few years Uh uh-huh and uh yeah he's really cool so big shout out to uh that guy who I'm not gonna name you you know who you are we love you shout out um <laughs> uh. fuck yeah i felt like i had to burp too everybody burps this is the burp episode this is the burp episode it's the burp cast ah. welcome to the burp cast with sydney and shoe burp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the level of fucking joy that brought me i gotta tell you i haven't been doing well mentally i'm working very hard to like Get back up there. Get back up there. I've been having a bad like week or two. Yeah. Um, and I've been feeling very overwhelmed and stressed. And like I am I just listen, some days you feel more like Sisyphus than others. Yep. And I've I've been there. But um that that little <laughs> ditty, that little song is really it really brought me back to life. Oh good. I'm um, glad. And I pictured the WB frog singing that. <laughs> Yes, man. Uh, I wish they'd bring him back. Poor guy. Poor guy. He's out of a, he's out of a job. Do you he's remember his name? W. B. Frog. Oh, is that what it was? No. Oh, can, can we look it up? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was like uh something fancy. It like is okay. W. B. Frog. <laughs> My name's McKin- Michigan J. Frog. Isn't it? Uh, see, McKinley was close. It was close. Michigan J. Frog. That's so weird. Yeah. Why would they name him Michigan J. Frog? I don't know. It's That's the CW from, or no, the WB, which is now the CW. Yeah, because okay, it was the WB when it was like Warner. And Brothers Black, and then they got white shows on it, and they were like, "We need to rebrand it because we don't want people. We want we were the Black Network, but now we're the Mixed Network." That's so bizarre. Yeah, so okay. they they changed the name because they got all those white shows to the CW to the CW. 
I feel like it was a branding thing to like let people know like we're not just this network anymore. Okay. Well, it, I I miss Michigan J Frog. We all miss Michigan J Frog. But in our hearts, in our souls, in our holes. Um, I'm gonna get a tattoo of him right above my puss. I don't like that. No. Can you can you imagine? Don't can you it. imagine I'm fooling around with someone for the first time and then they're about to take off my underwear? Because I feel like that's something you have to give me a warning of. Yeah. Okay. I was with a guy once and he told me he later had a psychotic breakdown in my house. And that's a story for another episode. But while things were still good, he told me as we were fooling around, he said, hey, I have to tell you something. And I was like, oh, fuck, what? You have HPV? Who doesn't? <laughs> um, no, he said, he said, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay. He said, I have a tattoo of a wolf on my chest. <laughs> and I feel like I could have taken his shirt off and seen a tattoo of a wolf and been fine with that. I yeah, actually, totally. I actually did not need a heads up, but he felt like I should know this just before. Was it an ugly wolf? No. It's fine. It's, it's just fine. normal. It was a pretty great wolf. And I said, I love it. I love wolves because they look like my dead dog, Lenny. Um, <laughs> and if there's one thing I want to think about while having sex, it's dead dogs. You know so anyways, but oh if I had God. a tattoo of Michigan J Frog right above my pussy, that is something you do have to tell people about before you get naked. Is. Like, hey, before <laughs> before we go any further, I still want to fuck you. That's not what this is about. This is not. I just want you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to come up with a double, 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 you fuck. <laughs> You have like a little fuck catchphrase. I have like a song for oh it. Oh my god, oh. that's too much. Yeah, I there... love. I love the CW. Well, they have Riverdale. They have Riverdale. They have um, your what is the you're already dead the zombie show? She's oh I don't know. She's I don't have a... television hooked up, so I don't know how these things work. Well, get she... back to me in three years. I will. She's a zombie detective. Ooh. And it's a really good show. And then Jane the Virgin. Oh. Um, so they I'm a 30-year-old woman who just can't get enough of CW. That's fine. Um, we're pro CW. If there's one stance this show is gonna take, we're pro CW network. At least the shows. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I, you know, I don't know who the fuck's running the network. I, I can't say I like those people personally. We don't know them. But I like the shows. The zombie show is called iZombie. Oh, iZombie. And it's good? It's good. It has a really good um, opening theme song, which um, Deacon was nice enough to find. And in he was going to include it in our wedding mix. Aww. But... It turns out that song is hella long and there's just like a very small clip that was taken for the show and the rest of it is, it doesn't sound anything like that. Oh, so, that's how they get you. Yeah. I was like, what? This is the song? Can we talk? I know this is an MDMA episode. I know this because well, it's on our notes. When do we ever stay on topic? That's right. Tell me that. Um, Speaking of zombies. Uh-huh. The new season of The Walking Dead started. Yes, it starts, I, I saw the first episode. Oh, fuck. It starts every October just for my birthday because that's right. They, AMC they know loves it's me. your birthday. They know it's my birthday and they give that gift to me every year. 
I am so in love with Negan. I hate him. Okay, he's a very polarizing figure. I really enjoyed him in the comic books. I enjoy him on the show. I want there to be a spinoff that's all Negan all the time. They can call it Sydney's Wet Dream. <laughs> you can have that, AMC. You can have that title. And someone someone uh, said, you can't possibly like Negan. You're saying you like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. You, you like him. Yeah. And I said, no, I like Negan. Straight up in the comic books, Negan, he's the alpha male. He's in charge. Yeah. And he sticks to his word, and which is a lot. That's a lot to ask from somebody in this post-apocalyptic world. He does stick to his word. And Rick yeah. can't stand not being in charge. And Rick keeps getting his people killed trying to overtake Negan. And it's like, hey, dude, you may not agree with everything the dude does, but he does keep shit in order. And he does stick by his word. And why don't you just step down and stop getting your people killed, Rick? Um, also, <laughs> Negan's hot and I would fuck the shit out of him. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I Am I a bad a, feminist? That's a very controversial opinion. Maybe we can do uh, one of those Instagram polls where it's, is Sydney Ooh. a bad feminist because she wants to fuck Negan? I would fuck Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he's I cute. He's fucking hot. I would fuck him as a normal human being. However, it's the character of Negan that I find attractive. I am shocked. I don't even know what to say to this. I hate Negan. I fucking hate him. What? Every... He's got that baseball bat and that leather coat. <laughs> He's so, first off, every episode I just end up screaming like, fucking kill him. And secondly, He's so fucking cheesy. I like, know. I know. Not only is he a complete barbaric asshole, but he's cheesy as fuck yeah. while doing it. Yeah, he mixes like my favorite uh, vaudeville <laughs> comedy stylings he really does. with being a murdering sociopath. And, and I, I appreciate that about him. <laughs> I get what you're saying with Rick. Like, he does need to stop being such a control freak. Uh -huh. Like, it's not his job to be the new world ruler. No. But Negan is, like, being unnecessarily brutal. And I think that's that's the point, is, like, you can't have someone ruling who is just going to burn half your face or murder you with a He's baseball going bat. going for theatrical. If he just shot people, I don't feel like it would have the same impact. <laughs> I hate him. Okay. Well, listen, <laughs> a lot of people hate Mr. Big on Sex and the City, and I feel like Mr. Big and Carrie were the perfect couple for I each other. I liked them. I like that they ended yeah. up together. Yeah. And I do like the actor that um, plays Negan. I think he's cute. I'm glad he's married to Hillary Burton. He uh, is? Yeah. And I was obsessed with her as an MTV VJ oh. and also when she was on One Tree Hill, because I remember oh. when she left MTV to be on One Tree Hill, and I was like, fucking moving up in the world. Hell yeah, girl. Get it, girl. And it just came out recently that Ben Affleck groped her on a episode of TRL. Or yeah, of course he did. Some MTV show. Ben Affleck's one of those like drunk guys. It's just I like was a gonna fucking say, monster. Like, I unfortunately am totally not surprised. Kind of like, yeah, he's wasted all yeah. the time. Like, how many press conferences did he do where he was just shit-faced doing whatever the fuck he wanted? Yeah, because alcohol's gross. And then guess what? How... How many of you out there have just gotten blacked out drunk and had to ask someone like, do you hate me when you wake up the next day? A lot of people. Hey, That's a pretty universal hey, uh, experience. 
did I do anything to piss you off last night? That's like mine and Deacon's first year dating oh, was like man. me getting blacked out and then just being like, do I need to say I'm sorry? <laughs> what did I do? I think I'm really boring uh, to date now because I don't do that. Is I, You know what? Trust me. I don't think it's boring to not do that. I yeah. think it's. I'd I'd much I much rather prefer where I'm at now yeah. where I have not blacked out in a very long time. Yeah. And I can now have a glass or two of wine and call it a night and then I don't have to wake up feeling extremely guilty and confused. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh is something my first ever boss at a bar said to me 13 years ago, which is Getting shit-faced is like masturbating. It should be done at home, alone, or with someone you love. <laughs> that is so true. Why the fuck people decide oh. to get completely fucking shit-faced and baby drunk in public and make that someone else's problem, I don't fucking know. But I don't like it where I'm like, you're a fucking mess. Why the fuck are you... like? I I mean I I feel like I'm running a preschool as a bartender. Right. Where I'm like, why the fuck am I in charge of this for you? You can't operate a cell phone, so now I gotta fucking call you an Uber. Like, cause you can't even operate a phone. You're such a fucking infant right now. You know what you should be doing? You should if you want to get that fucked up, fine. Do it at home alone. Yeah. Or with someone you love. With someone you There's love. There's nothing better than day drinking with your beloved and you're just having fun and being goofy and fucking around. Yeah. And maybe you have a little inflatable pool set up in the yard with a TV and you're watching VHS tapes Aww. in the yard in the pool making cocktails. Because I've done that. It's the best. That sounds like a great day. It's a great day. Just drinking and being ridiculous with the person you love, you know. But like, don't do that in public. Yeah, I think it's just a phase that everyone goes through and then you have to either realize like, I can't keep doing this, I need to change or you just delve harder into it and become an alcoholic. Yeah, and then you work for the government by day in an elected position and then you come to a bar at (laughs) night and you're shitty to some fucking girl who has Crohn's disease. Is that happening? No, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. And I'm like... I should just do some MDMA. I'm like, I need to do some MDMA. I need to never fucking see you again. Yeah. Unless you're going to introduce me to your boss, the mayor, because uh, we live in a city with a really fucking hot, nice mayor. I've met him before. He's very attractive and very kind. I would have sex with our mayor. I would rather have sex with Negan, but I would settle for having sex <laughs> with Mayor Greg Stanton. Um, <clears throat> But I digress. So what I need to do is never see you, you fucking alcoholic piece of trash who can't even use a fucking public restroom properly. You know who you are, you motherfucker. You fucking motherfucker. This is like everyone. (laughs) It's like everyone. (laughs) Yeah. You know what you need to do? You need to spend less money on Bud Light and more money on shirts because why are you wearing free t-shirts in public? Free t-shirts are what you wear when you're at the gym, you're sleeping, you're dyeing your hair, or you're painting. You don't wear a fucking free t-shirt in public. You don't put that shirt on like that's something you wear out. In fact, I don't own any free t-shirts. I don't even wear a free t-shirt to bed because I have nice t-shirts to wear to bed. Got a nice... Disneyland Fantasmic shirt I'm going to wear to bed. I got a Miley Cyrus shirt I'm going to wear to bed. I'm not wearing some fucking promotional shirt for some fucking dumbass company or from some shitty gym that I'm a member of, but I'm not going to rep their shirt. Fuck you. What do you do? Every time someone gives you a sticker, you put that sticker on your car? Why the fuck do you got your car covered in stickers? So anyways, (laughs) what I need to do is never see you, you free t-shirt wearing motherfucker, ever again, and I need to take some MDMA on Shoe's couch. That's right. 
And I just want to leave you guys with one more, one more wisdom nugget. I was, <laughs> yes, I, I was watching The Voice last night, as I do. Mm-hmm. And Miley Cyrus is a judge this season. Yes, she is. I fucking love Miley Cyrus. I'm obsessed with her. I love well, she's her. She's the best. Um, and guess what? Yeah, I still like her even though she's going back to being a normie. Okay? Fucking take that. I don't like her as much. I know. No one does. I feel bad because everyone's like, ah, she's boring now. Anyways, she's, she's on The Voice. changing things up. She, she's finding herself, guys. We're always evolving. Let it happen. Um... <laughs> And her dad is a mentor. On mm-hmm. the, he she he is her advisor this year. He's helping her team with their songs, and uh, he just dropped this fucking wisdom bomb last night. Ooh. He told these girls they're getting ready to sing their song, and you know he said, "Don't try to fit into the box. Live life like there is no box." That's right. That's a quote. From Billy Ray Cyrus. That's beautiful. You fucking put that in your pocket and walk around with it all day, damn it. Oh, I will. Yeah, I really liked that. So. I like the idea of seeing the box. We're igno- we're acknowledging the we're box acknowledging- is there. Yeah, it's there. But I'm not living my life like that's. We're living our charge. life like it's not there. That's right. We're we're walking around the box. Mm-hmm. We're kicking the walls of the box in. That's right. Changing it into a rectangle. An oblong. Knocking uh, the corners off. That's right. <laughs> what happens to squares in space? The corners get, the corners knocked, get off. knocked off. And it turns into orbs. That's why planets are round is because the corners get knocked off. <laughs> also, apparently, it's because equal gravitational force from all edges make it so when they form, they're in orb shape, and it's not that they started out square and the corners got knocked off. Oh. Listen to my other podcast, McNulty and DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, so you, you'll get this if you yeah. listen to her, po- the, her other the podcast. Other, the other uh, podcast, McNulty and DeLorean, the most recent episode, It's All Orbs. We cover why everything is round. <laughs> I enjoyed it, obviously. Um, I'm and, quoting you. Yeah. So yeah. So Billy Ray Cyrus, you're right. Knock them corners off. Yeah. Live life like there is no motherfucking box. I love that. All right, guys. So I'm just gonna let you know if you wanna uh, meet with us in the social media world, even though we don't like it very much, we're still there. We're still there. And uh, you can find us on Instagram at Simone Shea Podcast, Twitter at Simone Shea Pod. If you search in Facebook at Simone Shea Pod, it'll take you right to our Facebook page. You can find Sydney on Instagram at Sydney DeLorean and me, Shu, on Instagram at Shu Marley. So, yeah, follow us. Friend us. Have a good Wednesday, guys. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye.